0: This is Konzen Shu the podcast episode 301 for the week of June 10th 2012. Hey hey what up internet? Welcome to Konzen Shu the podcast. That's correct sir, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. I love how you have a different sort of power-up performance every Every time. Every time. You
1: gotta do it different, otherwise the people don't like it.
0: That's right. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Welcome to episode 301 of our podcast here at Zenshu. We are a little late. We're swapping around schedules. We have things coming we have things not coming it's monday evening my name is mike vegeto ex i bring people together week in week out to talk about
1: dragon ball with
0: me joining me across the internet from halfway across the country the other half of Kanzen Shu leadership i suppose
1: hello all i am hugio and that is all that's all you got yeah that's all i got okay no, I, I haven't been around much lately. It's it's kind of good to touch base with you for once. I know,
0: I know. I feel like we haven't talked in a while, and we have yeah. a chance here on the show. We can talk about Dragon Ball instead of uh, life stuff.
1: Oh, life stuff. That is what my life has become, is just life stuff. And that's what happens, I guess. But Yeah,
0: you moved. You're in a new
1: place. I'm in a new place. I, Jacob has already pointed out my nice shelf, which I literally just put up last night. So... We're still kind of living out of boxes, and luckily I put my computer up two days ago so I could even do this here podcast. Nice.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure if uh, you would be available, but I figured spend enough time, and you're like me, and you would at least have the computer set up to go.
1: I've been doing everything off of my phone a lot, which has actually not been that bad. So, no, it takes care of I did have to put my microphone together tonight though. That was shoved in a corner.
0: So. Well, it seems like it's working. I see my old uh I don't even remember what you call things anymore. The the thing that holds the microphone, what do we call that? The shock mount. Yeah, it's the shock hanging mount. there.
1: And it's, it's beautiful. It just hangs right where it needs to hang.
0: That's what Heath said. All right, sir, you and I, we're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about really questions and answers this episode. I hesitate to call it a cop out episode, but uh, it sort of is that at the same time, just because I had to shift things around kind of last second and I didn't have a plan B if this week's episode didn't happen. And that's what did happen. So here we are.
1: You do what you got to do, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't uh, like my idea, so we're going with your idea.
0: Well, you wanted to talk about Kame House for an hour? Was that it?
1: Yes, for an entire hour.
0: <laughs> we should probably do it. Talk about uh, the layout of the house and whose materials are in which rooms. Just and-
1: think of how many chapters and episodes that house appears in, and the island and the events that take place there. I mean, that's a I lot think-
0: We could talk about the viewing angle of the TV in the living room and how it is uh, not good for angles. I don't know. Viewing purposes. And I mean, we
1: could describe all of the shows that Kame Senen ever watched.
0: (laughs) We probably could. All those different exercise shows. One, two, one, two. Uh, We're not going to do that. Instead, we have uh, a nice batch of questions from folks on Twitter and Facebook earlier this evening. So we're going to be super chill tonight. We're going to cover these two brief little news stories from the last couple of weeks and... This is going to be all questions and answers from folks. And maybe we'll get a couple new ones. We are broadcasting live right now. So we have a a stream of questions. Well, not questions just yet, but comments coming in. Although it seems super delayed for me, even though I have it on automatically updating. I don't know. Google, you kind of work. You mostly work. It's like 90% of the way there.
1: I think we have to use google more often
0: so uh we're gonna head on over to the news i'm gonna broadcast this link to other people we get some more audience members participating and uh that's our show this week All right. first bit o' news from the last couple weeks. Anime Expo announces Mr. Ryo Horikawa as one of their 2012 guests of honor. Anime Expo is one of the largest, if not the largest, depending on who's counting what for numbers, anime conventions here in North America. Horikawa has been there before, I believe, along with several other esteemed voice actors and actresses. And their press release this announcing this was pretty amazing heath would you like to read a, a couple choice quotes if not the one and only choice quote
1: best known for the voice of vegeta in dragon ball z rio horikawa has been performing in movie and tv dramas since grade school he has over 28 years experience as a voice actor and over 45 years experience as an actor his other credits include saint Seiya, detective Conan. Legend of Galactic Heroes, Mobile Suit Gundam, 0083 Stardust Memory, and Yu Yu Hakusho. In addition to using his acting talents in animation, Horikawa frequently works on stage in voice drama, games, and other mediums. He is also a singer, and his latest tune is the theme song, Cyan Brad of Dragon Ball Kai. As an AX guest of honor, he will participate in a meet and greet, autograph signing, and focus panel.
0: Now. Other than the obvious gaff, there, uh, Kai is not capitalized, and in the prior paragraph, there there was a uh, parentheses ending closing facing the wrong direction. But <laughs> Cyan Brad, love it, absolutely love it. Uh, have you heard this song? Can you tell me something about Cyan Brad?
1: I think it's a parody that we could get Julian to do. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, is it just they read Sayajin Brado?
1: Yeah, they somebody must have had it in Kana when they But did isn't this. it
0: written in English?
1: I believe it is written in English with Kana above it. Oh, all right. Maybe whatever note they sent, I I have no idea. But it is freaking hilarious.
0: And of course, the irony here is that Saiyan Blood was, I believe this was the only insert song that was completely pulled because it was the yes. only one composed by Kenji Yamamoto. The others had composition credits elsewhere
1: which is a shame it's gone
0: was cyan blood used once or twice i can't remember um, we have a, once, a page on a site that would tell us this information. That we do. I probably could have gone back to and looked at at some point. So great news here! Horikawa is going to be at Anime Expo um, from June 29th to July 2nd. So coming up soon. But I don't know. They can't be bothered
1: to proofread their press release. Can someone go for us and maybe get some audio clips of
0: him singing nice. bread The thing that kills me here is I am the communications manager for my organization and I write press releases and. I would have my own head if I publicly released something like this. This is just unbelievable.
1: Do you think an American did this, or do you think this was from Japan? Somebody threw it together that knows English. That's,
0: uh, and I don't know because the punctuation things in the prior paragraph, that's just English and not looking at what you're writing but the other credits yeah. maybe i don't know it's hysterical it's sad and i, I don't know why it's a news story but it kind of is because i thought it was funny because it has to be i mean
1: it's Cyan brad how often does that happen? i think we have a new ongoing joke
0: here uh, coined by anime expo
1: Thank you, Anime Expo. Good for something. Never been out to you.
0: Probably never will. But you've given me so much to work with. Let the memes continue. Love it. All right. So let's talk about the only other news story, which is, I don't know, it's sort of a story. It's sort of not a story. It's something that's coming out, but it also ties in with AX. Uh, Apparently, there's a spinoff of Animetal, uh, Animetal USA, and they're releasing their debut album over here in North America, even though their second album just came out in Japan, Uh, last week, I think it was. So this is a a spinoff cover band. They only do anime, although I believe they also do like uh, tokusatsu songs as well. Um... Various other things. So it's not just anime, but primarily anime-themed songs. Uh, right. Animetal, the original well-known for their covers of Dragon Ball, but also things like Fist in the North Star and other wonderful shonen properties. So we've got this American spinoff with people from bands that you've heard of, like Quiet Riot and White Snake and Slayer. I love that people that have toured with these bands are comprising Animetal USA.
1: I think it's hilarious. I, all the news lately has just cracked me up. And I guess that's a good thing because I'm tired of somber Yeah,
0: I know. We need something like this every once in a while. Uh, So I don't really know what the news is other than it's coming out. The second album came out in Japan. Uh, On their first album, they have a cover of Makafushiki Adobencha, Mystical Adventure, the opening theme to the first Dragon Ball TV series. You can stream that in its entirety. I believe the entire first album over on the band's official American website, totally for free. Uh, And then the second album has a medley. I believe it's called Dragon Ball Medley or Dragon Ball Power no, just Dragon Ball Medley. It's uh Hedgehala and We Got a Power. Animetal, the original Japanese band, did a version of Hechella. So it's good to see them. Which uh, is awesome. Kind of paying it. tribute to the original and their Japanese band there. It's great. So links on the homepage with cover art and a picture of the band as well that I swipe from their homepage. Uh and there are I think it's their debut live performance at Anime Expo.
1: Yay! Maybe Horikawa will go. You know, right?
0: <laughs> Can you sing me "Saiyan and Brad? would totally
1: get up and sing with them.
0: Be amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, Heath, that is really the news. We've had, like, all right, Kai is playing in some other places. Which country, Was it Hong Kong that had the uh, other kind of in-character commercial yeah. where Vegeta lands and he starts talking about the show?
1: That sounds good to me. You
0: don't know, remember?
1: I'm pretty sure it's Hong Kong. I I could not tell you you are wrong. I mean, I could, but...
0: Well, if you tell me I'm wrong, all that happens is you get thrown off the show.
1: Okay. Well, you were wrong and right. Done. Totally done with you.
0: All right, so that's the uh, news with that out of the way. We're going to take it over to all of your questions. (laughs) let's start we have a couple questions uh royce black mega man and was it mukesh i think it was over on facebook both asking uh about video games the state of dragon ball video games and larger questions there well guess what we have a two-part extravaganza series of episodes coming up that will address that so look forward to that so uh we're not answering your question at all right now all right we're gonna keep going here jay over on Twitter wants to know, is there enough in-universe and guidebook content to talk about the biology of the alien races from the series? That's a good question. Heath, I don't know that there's a lot of biology-specific talk.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say like biology specifically because it never really, I mean, these aren't textbooks like (laughs) in school, but we can speculate on a lot of it and a lot of it is in, I believe daisenshu 4 Mm, the world guide we have some of the races Mm -hmm. so i mean we have that we have some details that are in daisenshu 7
0: but it's Uh, less about what makes up these characters and why can they stretch and do the things that they do it's more like they can perform this technique and sometimes you know they're from this planet
1: and that's about all you get yeah and that's where a lot of you know, the discussion comes from that we see on forums and message boards of people wanting to know these things. And there are some people that have some very good speculations out there Mm-hmm. you know, what's happening. And a lot of it's key based. Oh, because they can use the key. they sure. can, Their muscles can do different things than ours can. Yeah,
0: just, I mean, key manipulation is such a huge thing over the course of the series that by manipulating it and transferring that manipulation to their body, they can do things that they otherwise couldn't do. So I don't know, do, do we just assume that everything in the universe is a carbon-based life form and they evolved Um, I would assume so. I don't similarly. think any
1: of them are sulfur-based. That'd be pretty...
0: Maybe Frieza is. I mean, Frieza can breathe in space. I don't know. Does that happen affect something? No. We're so not answering the question, but I guess to answer the question... Okay, so
1: to answer the question... There's no answer. No, there's nothing specifically about the biology of any race in a guidebook.
0: There probably is, and we just don't remember.
1: No it's it's not in there i'm telling okay. you straight up
0: yeah you've done much more translate well i guess jake did all the translation stuff but you've uh combed through it far more recently and by recently i mean within i mean years.
1: i guess as far as some of the uh you know like battle damage and things like that you could say are genetic for the science but that's not really even delved into in any of the guidebooks but that's about as far as it goes it's just stating facts of what certain races can and cannot do, right. but not specifically biologically why they
0: can. Yeah, do. it's the what and not the why behind it all because yeah. Toriyama doesn't know how to write that kind of stuff. So, uh, And he never would. All right, let's move on to another question then. Uh, this is going to be kind of a, a meaty mini discussion. I'm glad Adam asked this over on Facebook, facebook.com slash shoot. Wait, no, it's Facebook. Oh, no, it's still Dicey X right now. God damn it. We're too small God, for Facebook that, to thanks. care about us to change it. I mean, I've inquired. And anyway, Adam wants to know, I like the topic of, is Vegeta a fighting genius? Um, actually, no, that's in response to, I think, Mukesh earlier said he asked that a while ago as well. I think we've sort of talked about this in bits and pieces before, but I kind of wanted to go through Vegeta's fights. I was thinking about this on the ride home, uh, cause Mary was driving, which means I can sit there and think about Dragon Ball while she pays attention to oncoming traffic. And so I was thinking, Mike, Vegeta... Smart, tactical we kind of always think of him that way but is he truly so heath i would like to take you back to vegeta's beginning in the series really it's his fight against goku i mean i guess we could talk about bardock special and killing saibai men but
1: i was gonna say he killed a lot of aliens
0: not a whole lot too he just kind of does it there's no real strategy involved because he's so far above them so let's talk about his fight with goku does he exhibit any signs of being strategic during this fight the entire fight was the goku i feel like he's constantly underestimating him and then he keeps having to push himself further to all right i wasn't planning on doing that like when he had to go ozaru wasn't planning on having to do that but he needed to do it and i don't know that that's so much strategy as it is just being put in the position of having to exert his power was there any strategy during that well, fight
1: what if i said his strategy to begin with was just to wipe the floor with him because as far as he knew He could. And then at that point, he kind of had to change his strategy, which turned into panic of just, well, shit, I got to do this and this. And
0: I mean, their strategy the whole time was we're going to come and even if they've trained for us, it's not really going to matter. I mean, they were, I don't even want to say moderately impressed when Piccolo and Trititin and Gohan showed up like, oh,
1: I mean, I guess,
0: well, we got side by men, whatever. This will be fun. It was just a game to them for a while.
1: I love how you just casually leave out Tenshinhan. Uh,
0: Well, no, I meant just the the first three that showed up and then the other guys showed up. Sure,
1: sure. Okay.
0: but even when Nappa was forced to, you know, take his clothes off and actually use some of his power, Vegeta was still off to the sidelines being like, uh, we're just hanging out, you're fighting, he's trying to keep Nappa under control a little bit, but I don't think there was any real strategy throughout the entire fight with Goku, was there?
1: I'd I'd say the Z Wars had way more strategy. Oh for than sure, for sure. Did. Piccolo, definitely. Like they just showed up, they can fight, they're like, Hey, we're we're way stronger than them. So what strategy do we need? I mean, I think you see that all the time. You see it with Frieza, they showed up, hey, we're just way stronger than all these mm-hmm. people. Let's just We'll beat him up and leave.
0: I'm sure there were little bits and pieces during their hand-to-hand where maybe something was strong. But I feel like Goku was really countering a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I just think about the animated version of that fight so well. It had some great animation days in there. And just Goku flicking himself all around with Kaioken and Vegeta was struggling to keep up. So... I don't really think there's anything there. And our buddy Kaboom is saying having a backup plan could count as a strategy. I don't know. I don't think that's the strategy we're really thinking of. I think a backup plan is a backup plan is a backup plan. Not
1: really. And I think you can make a very valid argument that he did not plan. Yeah, he wasn't planning on it. I would argue he didn't even have a backup plan.
0: All right. So we really have to jump ahead here. He's on Namek. He's going through the ranks. He's fighting QE. He's fighting Dodoria. He's fighting Zarbon. And then he fights Zarbon again. And then we get up to the Ginyu fights. And Vegeta's kind of doing what he thought he was going to do with goku where it was i'm so much stronger at this point it's nothing qi was absolutely nothing to him at that point Dodoria really wasn't anything to him at that point either and he kind of got his shit thrown back in his face with zarbon and then the second fight with zarbon was kind of quick so in any of those three fights do you think he had any chance to need to use strategy i don't think so but maybe i'm forgetting something
1: i don't think he did necessarily i think more of his strategy was how to get the dragon balls and he was using that to his advantage right
0: and that's not really fighting that's just yeah stuff
1: so i, I don't think he really had much of a strategy at that point even besides well i'm gonna go fight this guy because now i know i'm stronger right. than him Now I'm going to go over here. I mean, that was about it. And it just so happened that Zarbon could beat him. And it actually turned out to be kind of lucky for his sake.
0: All right. So then for me, I think ahead to when Olive Ginyu arrives. And really, it's the fight against Raccoon. I think this is the first situation. And I'm, of course, thinking back to the animated version more than the manga version, just because, again, we had a couple of good animation days in there. So it it sticks out in my mind.
1: But he knows that he's just completely outclassed Right, and
0: Is that what it takes where Vegeta has to know that he's outclassed? Outclassed for him to use any strategy. And one of my favorites is when Raccoon kind of plucks him out of the ground, like the vegetable he is, he looks like he's done, but it's just that point blank fire him right in the face and trying to catch his opponent off guard because, like you said, he knows he's outclassed.
1: That is a great scene.
0: It is. It's fantastic. I love that. (laughs) And we watched it so many times in English before we all ordered fan subs to continue onward.
1: But I agree. I think that's it's kind of the tipping point where he has to use strategy he doesn't have much of a choice but then you kind of jump ahead to when he starts with Frieza and he's just kind of mocking him trying to get him to transform you're back to the point where he thinks he's stronger than Frieza at this point Now that he's healed himself. Well, as you know, we find out he's not. And then the strategy becomes, well, now you need to hurt me so that I can get stronger because I don't have time to train, which is kind of funny in a way.
0: I kind of want to give him credit for that. I mean, you could argue that Goku is sort of doing a similar thing uh training on the way to Namek. But Vegeta's kind of abusing that near-death power up there, knowing that this is the thing that he can do. I mean, he kind of knew it before as well, that, yeah, as we continue to fight, we get stronger. But this was the, all right, if I have you near kill me, and then the uh, Runt over there brings me back, that's going to do this, which will allow me to do this. He's thinking on his toes, because he has to at that point, because he can't fall back on his power. Like, I think he's used to doing.
1: Yes, and... I- I think you kind of have to bring in some of his character elements along with it. The fact that he doesn't like to fight with other people. He'd rather fight on does his own. does not play well with others. And so a lot of his strategy isn't so much, hey, let's collaborate. It's, well, I'm just going to kick this guy's ass. And then all of a sudden he can't. And now, oh my gosh, now you help me and hurt me. Now I'll heal. And that's when a lot of that stuff more kicks in. And even when he thinks he has the power up he basically tells him to stand aside he'll take off he's
0: just being completely delusional again at that point you know everyone in our our live streaming here our comments over on the youtube broadcast pretty much everyone's saying yeah his strategy is not so much in the fighting it's in all this other tactical stuff on the sidelines we got an example here of all right let's use the genki dama against boo and i'm gonna stall for time and i don't know that we even need to continue through some of these fights because then we just get into vegeta's being a dumbass the moments where yeah sell go ahead transform or yeah i can totally take on number 18. There's no strategy involved in any of those. It continues to be him taking himself way too seriously and not being realistic about the fights. And there's no strategy because he just gets his ass handed to him. Yeah, basically. So I don't know. Does that wrap up (laughs) that mini discussion? Is Vegeta not really that tactical of a fighter, but his strategy comes in with planning outside of fights?
1: Yeah, I think I think he's really good more I don't want to say on the fly because I would think of Goku as more on the fly of thinking things up and deciding, well, I'm going to do this. I think Goku is much better at strategy, especially early on in the series. And that's probably more specifically because he just is a lower class warrior to begin with. He doesn't have the power that these Mm. other people do. And so he has to figure out ways how to beat them where Vegeta has always been well above everyone else. And this is the first time he's really had to do anything. Cause we even have the flashbacks during the Bardock special of he's training Nappa still has hair. He's killing all the, the men. He is not even trying. So even at that point, we can see that he's well beyond what a lot of the other warriors, especially of other species, are. Do you
0: think that carries across to pretty much everyone, where if you start getting too much power, you start relying on that and forget you forget about your basics? As any trainer would tell you, you got to remember your basics, whether it's a sport or fighting or anything else. And I feel like they all kind of yeah. forget about that and rely on that power, and it comes back to bite them in the ass.
1: And it, it seems to be more on the villain side of things mm. than anything. And I don't know if that's a part of well, just the that's riding, because
0: the villains or? are always introduced to be stronger than the heroes. So that puts the heroes right. in that runt position where they have to prove something and think on their toes and think differently than they would before. So I think that's just how these stories are written.
1: So I think what we're saying is he's very good at coming up with strategies when he needs them, but he'd rather not. I agree. So long story short.
0: <laughs> long story short. No. All right. Next question. Uh, let's skip around here. Uh, Brandon over on Facebook wants to know, maybe take on the what if stories in some of the games. Heath, have you played many games with what if stories from Dragon Ball? No, sir. Shit. All right, then that's pretty much just me. Go, Mike. Man. Um, I've recently still been playing Ultimate Butoden. See, this is the thing where I promised the review and it's still being written and it's totally coming and then I realize that I still need to pour other older content into the site. It's like, alright, I have set amount of time. Do I pour older content that still needs to come over or do I create new content? And I can't effectively balance either of them, so I keep working on both of them and it's like this it approaches infinity but never quite reaches a solid number for either of those
1: no i know exactly what you mean because i've been doing the same thing there's things i want to get done but i have all this new content that's (laughs) jumping around in my head i came
0: up with so many great little tidbits i want to do but i'm like uh i gotta paste track listings all right so what i'm getting at is ultimate butonin i've been replaying a lot of the what if stories i think my favorite one is the series of yamcha fights and i think i talked about this with mary somewhat recently on the show but Spoilers, all of them end with Yamcha dying. And it's just hysterical (laughs) to watch them. And they're, they're totally serious for a while up until like that last moment where like the villain's not really dead and I'm totally stronger than you and oh, Yamcha's dead and Par just comes in like Yamcha-sama! just flying toward the screen. There's so many great little nods. That game, I think because it's on a handheld and they could do so much more with less money, things you're used to being charged for, like alternate costumes and accessories. I keep talking about how my Vegito has sunglasses, bunny ears and Yoibo. That's the kind of stuff that you would be charge five dollars for were it you know a regular console game with dlc because it's on a handheld and they can't i mean you could do it now with uh you know the the more modern consoles and even PSP had add-on game content but the regular ds didn't um i mean like dragon quest 9 sort of had dlc but it was all on the game And i think the latent games had the same thing where it's it's all on the game cartridge but you connect to wi-fi and, and unlock something that's on the game but uh just everything's there to unlock and play around with and i think they had so much fun and it shines through in the charm of that game. And I think that Ultimate Butoden had some of my favorite what ifs. And the funny thing is other than Raging Blast 1 and Raging Blast 2. And Raging Blast 2 didn't really really have what ifs because the was it the galaxy mode is really just a series of fights and so even if it was just Vegeta versus I don't know, like Zhu. Not that that was necessarily a fight.
1: Because there are more battles to get Yeah, not it's not so much. a battle along the a way. new storyline. No real
0: story to it. Yeah. Rates and Blast 1 had some stories. But I think what I was going to say is from Sparking onward, and really Dragon Ball Z 3, although I played Budokai 3 first in English and then immediately after played through it when I ordered the uh, Japanese version, I've played through all of them in raw Japanese on the Japanese PS2 and then I guess I had Region Blast 1 subbed and then Ultimate Butoden again raw Japanese so like I'm sort of following the stories and it's pretty clear what's going on but um Some of the minor details are lost on me, so uh, it's been interesting to follow along with those. But then I think um, Supersonic Warriors, Buku Resen, Buku Togeki 1 and 2, those had some what-if stories. I think one of them had something where Ma Jr. fuses with Piccolo Daimao. There's some good stuff in there. Whoa, really? Yeah, it's been so long since I played that. And uh, I actually didn't own that first game on GBA for the longest time. And then I only recently bought it myself. I think maybe a year or so ago so I gotta go back through and play all those. Yeah, so what if stories there have been plenty of great ones I think, I don't know that I could really talk authoritatively about them without going back and replaying some of them other than some of the Ultimate Butoden ones, Uh, but there have been some great ones over the years and I think that's one of the better ways to extend the life of those games and give people new experiences and even if it's just a little bit of dialogue before a fight, sometimes it's enough. Uh, was it Raging Blast 1 when Zarbon was uh, trying out for Ginyutok Sentai? I mean, there's just fun yeah. conversations sometimes. And uh, I think we enjoy hearing those performances and seeing funny faces. And I think it helps those games. And I think we'll talk more about that when we do our two-parter state of the DBZ game industry and beyond. But uh, maybe those are, are a couple of my favorites. Uh, you folks, as you're watching live, if you think of some of your uh, favorite what-if stories, even if we're on to other questions, If I see them come up, I'll uh, be sure to read them along the way. So come up with some of your favorite ones, and uh, I'd love to read them. Actually, we have a a great one here from uh, our buddy Josh Kendamu in the first Budokai game where uh, Cell accidentally absorbs Kidditin. Yeah, the uh, little orange midget Cell Jr-ish thing that was always a great story there were oh man and didn't vegeta also turn super saiyan during the first arc the saiyan arc i think there were some good ones in there as well and heath you missed
1: out man i did i really need to get up on these things you do you
0: do maybe i'm sure we live in the age of youtube i'm sure you can just sit and watch every what if from every game ever they're out there maybe we can find a couple good ones and link them uh, along with the episode. but uh, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, well, let's move on to other questions. What have we got out there? Why don't you read uh, Rainy's question then?
1: I really dug your episode tackling some what if situations. I thought of one yesterday that might be interesting. How would the entirety of the Boo saga possibly gone if Toriyama had free reign with no input from editors and the like? How would Boo himself have been handled? Would there be absorptions? Would Gohan save the day? Would Goten and Trunks be more important? would goku have stayed dead would fusion still be a thing
0: that's an interesting question because we know that there was simultaneously more input and less input during the boo hark like the idea of fusion came from the author of video girl i correct correct So we had that, but then we didn't have prior editors and colleagues saying, hey, these characters look stupid, come up with someone else. So I guess we need to think about the Boo arc having more structure and external force to it, because it seemed like it had less than at least the Cell arc.
1: I feel like it had less just because... Of the fact that we went from such an action show to bringing back more of the gag, yeah, and yeah. The, the funny type of, you know, the funny atmosphere that he had early on in the series. And then he just kind of molded them together and still had the action in there, which was probably, you know, more what a lot of people wanted, but. Mm-hmm he did kind of go back a little bit.
0: And Jacob's saying in the chat right now, the Booark did go the way he wanted. And I don't think we're arguing that fact. I think what we're talking about is if he had more external influence on his writing because he was doing what he wanted and it was totally free for the most part. And that's why it turned out the way it did, turning back to what he uh, kind of liked the most. So if we think about that, all right, if he had more people coming down on him saying, no, it should go this way or this is what I think it should be, would we get all those different absorptions would he be writing by the seat of his pants i i I don't know because it's kind of similar to 19 and 20 oh no 17 and 18 oh no sell oh no sell oh no sell every form of boo is similar to that except it's all just the same character
1: yeah i don't i just really don't see that there was much more input in the Boo arc than any place else. So it's just kind of hard to say.
0: Yeah, it's tough because Toriyama is, in terms of a writer, he is who he is. And as we went through the manga review of Awesomeness, I felt like we could sort of tell what his style was and the way that he would write things, but he would always surprise us with something, every issue, and especially when Jeff was going through it, as someone who really had no idea where it was going, he was constantly surprised by what Toriyama did and whether he liked it or not was a separate question, but... But I don't know that Toriyama is that predictable. So how can we answer yeah. what we're supposed I think to? That,
1: I think that's the thing. You know, he's not predictable. And maybe you can also think of it this way, where he kind, you know, he said he wanted the transition to Gohan, but he brought back Goku. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have this whole thing going on. And we're getting, what I'll say, the toward the end of the series, even though the Boo arc just really does last forever. It's one of the longest arcs. Sure. But was it more he was trying to have more fun with it? and make it less action-y because he kind of wanted to... Because he stated multiple times, you know, I'm kind of running out here and things like that. And it was just such an abrupt ending that I don't really... You know, it kind of contradicts itself how abrupt it was. He's like, well, I'm just... I'm going to end it here. I'm done. Mm -hmm. But then at the beginning of the arc... He's having it, what seems so much fun with it, where he's going back to what he likes to do. So I don't know. I kind of ran myself around in a circle there.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> like Toriyama does himself. I, I don't know. I feel like we got to come up with some kind of an answer here. So if if the whole process was different in some way, and I'm going to say if he had more influence from editors or colleagues or whoever it was, how would things have been different? I think the absorptions would have stayed relatively the same. It seemed like he wanted to keep people on their toes and have this villain continue to change and morph as the series went on. I don't know that we'd have fusion, though. I think that's an important question. Obviously, it was someone else's idea, and Super Saiyan 3 seemed like he was stretching it a little bit there. So... Would he have been forced to keep it with the kids longer? And the kids being Gohan and Goten and Trunks. Because Gohan's not really that old here either. So I I don't know. Like he felt that Gohan wasn't the true hero. But if he wasn't going to go with Fusion to have Vegito come in and then ultimately have Goku and Vegeta and Mr. Satan save the day, we're kind of left with the kids. So would Gohan take the limelight that he was sort of meant to have? Maybe.
1: Maybe. But we don't, and, and I have to agree. I don't think fusion would have really had much to do with the story mm. at that point. If if he was more left to his own accord, right. I don't think that would happen. Who knows? I mean, lots of things could happen because there are so many open-ended chapters throughout that entire. Arc I know. <laughs> Is Gohan <You> dead? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, look, there's Piccolo. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Because. We knew he flew by the seat of his pants already, you know, when he wrote chapters. So who's to say that he wouldn't all of a sudden. Change his mind on a daily basis of what he wanted to do because we've seen him do it before. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So
0: maybe there's an answer in there
1: somewhere. Good luck with that one, Randy. Let's go over
0: to, uh, let's see. Michael Anthony wants to know, uh, maybe a fun subject could be kind of similar here. Uh, if you could have continued the manga if you had to, uh, no, it doesn't need it, but what would you experts have done? <sighs> Folks have asked this, and recently I've been saying that I love the Dragon Ball Online back history so. So much, those events leading up to what is it, 100, age one? No, age 1000. I love that idea of Goku and Vegeta, they're on their way out. They got to go at it one more time. And they're off in space, and scientists like see a supernova. And is that. Them? We don't know. I think there's some brilliance in some of that backstory. So I don't know that I could come up with anything better. I mean, I come on the internet and I talk about this every week. I wouldn't say that makes me an expert in the story writing and construction department. So, uh, oh, definitely I not. kind of, uh, I don't know. I'll let the professionals take care of it, but that's the idea that I like the most. Do you like that Dragon Ball Online back history? Do you think they could have uh, done something else there?
1: No, I, I love it. I think, I think that is a great way to actually do it, to move things on because just from there, I mean, there's endless possibilities of what they could do with Dragon Ball Online. And it's, it's just really neat to see how they've basically taken over of all these generations thereafter. And yeah, I th- I love it, and we need to catch up on it sometime.
0: With Dragon Ball Online, you obviously have to have the player's character, their avatar, and they're not going to be all the main characters in the series. So you have to come to a point where all of those prior events had to have happened, and we have to lead up to these events. And as we were going through that story, I felt like they tied up and neatly arranged everything to get it to a point where the world of Dragon Ball Online made sense. And there's, I think there's so much talent in doing that. And it, felt like Toriyama through and through the whole And we know he had some involvement there as well, but still, it, I don't know. My uh, my hat is off to the development team there. I can't speak for the game itself, but damn, the story leading up to it was pretty good. J-Rock wants to know, what's up with the love for Broly? This is a podcast topic I've been wanting to do for years, and I don't know that it's a topic that we could even do. How would you describe it? And I've tried. I've made threads over the years. Broly. A weird character.
1: Very weird character, considering he barely has any dialogue.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he talks
1: a little bit in uh, the
0: movie ain't there. But yeah, it's the thing where my hypothesis has always been the stereotype is the screaming rabid Broly fanboys. And I've wondered if that's actually true, or if people kind of make up these personas for these kinds of crazy fans and that they're not actually out there and they're kind of uh, projecting Broly onto some subset of fandom that's annoying them in some other way. But I I think it does exist at some point because you always have to put yourself in the mindset of a little boy who's Watching this hulking, rampaging person. I mean, he's a Dragon Ball equivalent of the Hulk. And kids love the Hulk. So I guess I can see why he'd be popular with uh, probably the younger sect.
1: Maybe they just like the color green.
0: Yeah, he does have some weird green power-up-y. The lighting in movie 8 is really strange at times, isn't it?
1: It is. And then the whole thing where he powers up and the color of everything around him changes. It changes
0: like three times. (laughs) Which is a whole other
1: discussion because I've seen that online as well of, well, what's actually happening? Well, someone in the art department thought it'd look really cool if they changed the colors. Stop explaining it away. You're taking all the Imply that his power was maximum. Uh, there you go.
0: Yeah. Well, someone had to say it there. Um But yeah, that's my thought on Broly fandom that I, I think a lot of it is made out to be more than it really is. But then I always follow that up with, well, I don't really jump outside of my own forum and my own community, and especially as the years go on, I really don't. So I don't know or remember what those conversations were like 15 years ago, and maybe it was different before the movies came out in the U.S., or maybe it wasn't. I don't know, but Broly's got a strange fandom in Japan, too, where he's the subject of, like, hilarious meme videos.
1: Oh, yeah, which are hilarious.
0: Yes, the hilarious videos, they, uh... They are hilarious. They are hilarious. Thanks for uh, clarifying.
1: I love to be redundantly redundant. Thank you, sir. uh,
0: That's you. Frankie wants to know, how would you feel if the series get a reanimated take, i.e. Ultimate Blast, kind of like Kai, except everything redone? Ah, yes. The uh, since Kai age old question by age old, I mean 2009. Uh, Do you want the series redone?
1: At this point? No.
0: (laughs) That's my answer too, man.
1: Maybe if Kai hadn't have happened and it turned out to be what most of us thought it was at the time, my answer might be different.
0: Yeah, we kind of want the series to die for a while at this point. Not really die, but kind of go into hiding and let it rest and put out some nice figures. I mean, they're doing some great stuff in the figure department, so keep that coming. But I don't know, like Dragon Ball... Our biggest problem with the games is I can't keep playing the same story every year, and I don't want to watch the same story every year either. I think that's what makes the movies so much fun, is that you get to see these characters in a slightly different situation. And even if the villain is an exact parallel to the villain from the TV series and the manga at the time, it's at least slightly different, and it looks really nice. I think that's what people are harping on, is that they want to see super slick, modern produced DBZ. But I think at the same time, you also have to keep in mind that if they were to do Dragon Ball as a new weekly series, it would be a weekly series and it would still look pretty cheap. I mean, you can do new tricks Mm -hmm. with digital animation, but digital animation... It's the same old thing. Yeah, it it brings out the same flaws as before. Sometimes worse, sometimes it hides them a little bit, but uh, it's going to look all super nice and crisp. But... They're just going to stand there talking for five minutes, the same as they used to do. Even if it's a filler-less version, they're still going to fall back on, you know, we want this to run for as long as possible. They're not doing this out of the graciousness of their hearts. They're doing it to make money. So they're going to want it to last for a good long time. And all the baggage comes along with that.
1: I think what I would like to see more of, which I think we've had this discussion, would be more shorter half-hour specials, like one every two years. kind of. Thing. maybe some new story stuff but Heath something that toriyama would we're be involved getting
0: in. that aren't we the jump super anime tour yeah. special kicked that off and since then we have had plan to eradicate the super Signs. all right it was a remake of a prior feature but then we got episode of bardock which was an all new storyline sure it took an established character but it's not like the jump special didn't take established characters and just add the new villain too so aren't we getting exactly what we want or are they just not good enough for
1: us because we're jerks Because we're jerks, mostly. I just, I don't know if I would want to keep up with a weekly series of something that I've already seen on a weekly basis for years and years and years.
0: So would it have to be a la Heroes or Online, those kind of stories with new set of characters in the same world, a la The Legend of Korra, which holy crap has been amazing? Yeah. Is that what you want? Because I mean, it, that's, that's what I want. That's more of
1: what I would want. And I, I think part of me also doesn't want to see the original handcrafted, hand-animated series just thrown into the dumpsters and completely replaced for an entire generation with new fancy animation. I mean, I think that's part of it. That's not entirely what I'm saying, but I know for myself that is a little bit of it. But at the same time, I do like some of the modern animation, but those are for modern series. So I think, I don't know how you separate them from being a 1980s show and a 1980s manga. Does that make sense at all?
0: Yeah, but you can look at things like Saint Seiya, like Lupin, which continue to get new stories constantly. Mm-hmm. They're mainstays.
1: Which which is what I'm saying. If it's a new story, I'm completely fine with it. What I'm specifically talking about is if they took the entire run of the series... Oh, all 153 episodes of Dragon mm-hmm. Ball, all 291 of Dragon Ball Z. They said, let's reanimate mm-hmm. them all and maybe do 190 episodes total or right. something. I don't know if no, I. No, I, like.
0: I don't think that's what I want either. I think, and again, maybe I'm projecting on people and pretending I know what they want better than they do, but I don't think people really want that in the end either. I think all of us would realize, uh, maybe the charm and the brilliance of the original is lost if we try to literally reanimate its corpse in that respect so new stories is kind of what i want but again we're getting it and it's not good enough so leave it alone for a few but, years i mean
1: even for us the new stories are always nice because it gives us something new to sure. talk about and dissect sure. and be super anal about
0: yeah yeah i mean i think i cut episode of bardock more slack than a lot of people did i'm not sure why but yeah
1: I did. I think it's because we're older.
0: (laughs) I'm easier to please, but I'm more jaded at the same time. Somehow that all works.
1: Not a rampaging 15-year-old. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Why don't we just bring it to a close? There's always an opportunity for more questions. Pretty much every week on the show, we give time for uh, a few Q&As that we like to bring in. And I'm glad we could talk about Vegeta and his strategy for a slightly longer Q&A, a a little mini topic there. And I think, uh, would we want a new glossy series brought in some good thoughts there as well? So I say it's pretty good. Let's uh, call it a night.
1: Sure. I'm down. All right. I've got things to do. Heath, uh,
0: I want you to be, well, not really the first one to know. Maybe you already read it, and I'm sure plenty of other people have read it. But uh, I bit the bullet today, and Mike has officially ordered a Kinect for Xbox 360. I saw that. This indeed means that I have no excuse. Come October, I will be... But do you
1: post drunken videos? Uh <sighs>
0: No, maybe there'll be video. I don't know. Was it Lord Moonstone that was like, camera. you got to be wearing the scouter. I think I'll have to wear the scouter the entire time yes. I'm playing that game.
1: So let's see, that comes out in October. So I'm playing
0: Skyrim on 360 right now. So my halfway excuse was, oh, well, at least I can yell at that game in the meantime over the next couple months while I'm waiting for the DBZ game to come out. And
1: You don't have to yell at Skyrim. You can yes, play it and actually come on. know how to do it. <laughs>
0: Have you ever played video games with me? All I do is yell at video games.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, I have. That's a thing
0: to look forward to. We'll definitely have a review of... God
1: damn it. You have to review it now. You don't have a choice. I know. I know. But
0: just tossing it out there so people can definitely expect... uh, Yeah. That'll be a thing.
1: I don't even know, like,
0: I wanted to have a larger conversation about that and what to look forward to, but we've already talked about that and now I'm just kind of depressed at the same time that I did it. I think I bought the cheapest used Kinect that was on Amazon that had its AC adapter, which I need because if you have the original Model 360, uh, the USB it can't draw yeah, power off. It of won't it. power.
1: So what your excuse is going to be is when this thing breaks, you're like, Oh <laughs> as no! As soon as I the game
0: comes it. out, it's gonna red ring. I had that problem. <laughs> no, I didn't even get a red ring. It was the video card fried itself alive on my. Uh, I don't know if it was a launch model 360, but it was relatively close to that. So
1: uh, everyone's got to get the red ring at some. I point.
0: haven't actually had the red ring. We'll see. You're I watching. have a refurbished one that they sent me after fixing it, and I know uh, I'm anticipating it'll blow up at some point this year in
1: october in
0: october <laughs> like oh thank you dende you have saved me you have spared me um all right so heath uh before we wrap it up let's talk about site stuff i have been torturing myself copying and pasting my fingers are screaming at me uh the cd sets page of the music database think about this for a moment never-ending stories two discs mm-hmm. what came after that dazenshu is five discs Yep. The four three-disc Complete Song Collections, the two-disc Legend of Dragon World, the three-disc Background Music Collection, and the 13-disc Cho Zenshu set. I hate everything right now. That page is a bitch man
1: you should try doing like 519 (laughs) chapters
0: i know i know and how has that been going like are you able to do enough find and replace to kind of format that on the fly because i can't really do that with the track listings
1: yeah that has saved my butt big time find and replace is like god sent whoever made that Needs to get some extra money. Yeah, I would just go through and copy all the main stories through all of them. I do a find, and replace, and file, and it goes to all of the old files that I had, replaces anything I need, and then I just spot check it as I go. But of course, I'm completely copying and pasting everything over like you're doing to the new format, mm-hmm. so it Mm -hmm. does take a little longer and it's a pain in the butt
0: and that's why newer content is slow to hit the site as we plow through well it's sad because
1: we were both working on new content up until the merge and then we just stopped and so we both have things that are just in limbo yeah like i know i have a couple pages that are like three quarters done
0: No, it's so bad. It's so bad.
1: I know. I'm going to go have to reread everything I was doing because I don't even know. I know. I like, what off.
0: section was this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, combined with oh, all wow. that, I'm usually rewriting content from Consentai because it's so casual. The stuff that Jake would Sorry. write be like, and then this happened, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Like, what? This doesn't make any sense for an authoritative page. What are Do you, you feel my here? pain now? So, I'm like, type, 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 type.
1: Yes. He, he writes awesome content and then i feel horrible like going in and rewriting things to make it more professional see i don't
0: feel bad but sometimes at all. i
1: did and sometimes i didn't i would like okay i'm gonna leave this here to kind of make his point and then you are just a jackass and you go in and just clean slate wipe <laughs> totally it.
0: Totally. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to make it all nice and pretty and less contractions and read well. All right. So do we have anything really exciting coming to the site soon or are we kind of plowing through old content right now?
1: I think we're still plowing through old content. Um, We put up uh, translations. Oh, that's true. I don't know if we ever officially posted those, but yeah. And I think... I have a couple I'm going to send off to Julian and Jake, and they can fight over them. Nice, nice. Because I, I think they'd be cool to get up. So hopefully we can get a lot of that stuff that's really quick and easy transferred over well, as quick
0: Real as quick, what was your translations section on Constantine? It was kind of a collection of miscellaneous things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had uh, translations of interviews. Uh, we had our epic Dysonchu translations, which, to be honest, I'm not sure what we're going to do with those. That's... A debate we'll have to have at some point because right, I'm not touching those at the moment. Yeah. And then we had like lyrics and stuff like that, but of course those have all been moved over. Julian tweaked some of them and moved them over, and with all the lyrics, so the translation section will more in a general sense be interviews and things like yeah. that. So I think it'll be a good good place for people to look stuff up.
0: The only thing I did in there is I pulled the Masako Nozawa interview from the Kokoro no Hane DVD. Uh, I put Mm -hmm. that over there just because it's sort of duplicate content now because I still want it on the review but I think it made sense to include it over there as well so I think things like that will start popping up over there and maybe I'll have to dig you know what I was looking for the other day was that issue of Bonsai, the German Shonen Jump that my buddy Andrew got Mm -hmm. for me many 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 years ago and I can't find it there's a Toriyama interview in there and uh, I don't seem to have a digital version of it anymore either so
1: Look under your stairs.
0: Under my stairs? That's actually a good idea. Where the litter boxes are? There's probably stuff there. I'll do that. I'll uh, do that before I go up. So, all right. We are totally done. This was a chill episode. Heath and I talking, answering questions, people watching us live. I hope you had a halfway decent time looking at our faces from behind windscreens here over uh, live broadcast over to YouTube. But uh,
1: And you get to enjoy all the live burps that are usually edited <laughs> out. I'm disgusting. I don't you care. You can all feel my pain That's now. That's
0: right. Um, so, yeah, we'll try to do this a little more often just because Google Hangouts makes it nice and easy to just auto push it over to YouTube and we're recording anyway, so if you want to pop in, great. Uh, HeathKanzenshu.com Spell it for the good folks.
1: K A N Z E N S H U u dot c o m that's
0: right you can check us out on twitter and facebook as well twitter.com slash and right now because again we're just too tiny for facebook to care about us it's still slash daizex d-a-i-z-e-x but uh, you can find it linked off the homepage of consenshu if you're a total newbie and you've never heard of the prior sites EX and konzentai, and i know there are a couple of people like that someone joined the forum was like yeah i just found consenshu and i had no idea that there were other sites and i feel like i'm out on so much history and yeah you did
1: that's but you can go read about it there you go yep
0: Kanzen and so this is episode 301 of our podcast
1: um it was a show one down 99 more to go till we hit 400
0: uh what do you want to do for 400
1: i don't know we'll just have a giant party and we'll live stream it
0: <laughs> we do that every week man me talking about okay. Dragon Ball with you? That's my party every week.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. So,
0: you guys know the site, you know the web addresses, find us everywhere. Comes and shoe. All right. My name is Mike Vegito EX. Uh, Heath. Kugio, sir thanks for joining me this Monday evening
1: thanks for having me
0: alrighty so for you for Mary for Julian for Jake again my name is Mike Kugito. EX episode 301 check you back next week for 302 amazing things planned hopefully schedules will work out in the coming weeks check you then folks
1: But I have a Movie 9 poster that's, well, not up on the wall. I've only had it for like five years, and I think this will be the second time I'm allowed allowed to put it up.
0: My Movie 13 poster still isn't on the wall. When, when we moved in, I think we were expecting another CD. I don't know if it was the BGM set, but... I had just gotten the Legend of Dragon World set, uh, totally being disgusting here, which came with a poster. And so I was anticipating the next set to come with a poster too. So I was going to leave extra room on that wall for another poster, but another poster never came. So the movie 13 poster just lays up against the wall. I did get another poster, and that was a Yumi Hamasaki. But we decided that uh, that would kind of be weird and creepy to put you up. You should in
1: totally wall. put that up. Right in the front entryway, right (laughs)
0: there. Just have it right there when you first walk in, like, oh, okay, this is a weird house.